Grace Grace Mon. Grace Mon. Grace Mon. That's that's hey, more that good. That's the best intro <laughs> what ever. Do you uh, do you officially apologize to your listening audience? You just get that out of the way right at the beginning. Or? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's well, right. we'll have to have an audience first. Yes. We're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, and and if if it makes you feel any better, I have had four weeks experience. Okay. Yes. So you're in okay. good hands here. Okay. So. That's awesome. Okay. So, <laughs> do you have anything to Wait, say? This is episode eight yep. of the wow. Gracemont series. Oh wow! We're, we're called Great. Christians eight. with questions, and we're not certain we're Christians. But anyway, go ahead. Take it away. Uh, and, and since we are oh. since we are the founders of this, we call ourselves apostles. Not that we've earned that, but we can okay. say whatever we want. So I'm Apostle John Luke, and this is... And I'm Apostle Duke. So Apostle Duke, take Duke, it Duke, away. Duke, 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 Duke. Okay, so, okay, so tonight we have two esteemed guests, uh, and thank you very much for being with us. And we just thought both of you guys would just be so fun to have on to kick around some ideas. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce both of our guests. And then I will probably have uh, Kevin, uh, after I do that, to kind of tell us a little bit about his Christian journey. And then after that, I thought it would be nice to have Craig... Uh, kind of talk about his his journey and kind of where he is today. And then after that, I kind of wanted to talk to Kevin a little bit more about, uh, he did a podcast on, um, you don't necessarily need to be a Christian to have a relationship with God. It, and I may be saying that all <laughs> wrong, so you'll have to correct me. But, but anyway, maybe you can kind of explain that a little bit. I thought that was super interesting. So, okay, so without further ado, I am going to introduce Kevin Wider. Wilder. Winder. Winder. Yep. Winder, W-I-N, and I no spelled problem, it wrong. No My apologies no, for that. Fine. Okay, so Kevin holds a Ph.D. in theology and ethics, and he has studied all major world religions and he has read their sacred text. He has uh, been involved in a podcast for over 10 years. Uh, he served for the last 21 years in the corporate world as a sales leader in the biotech industry, focusing on human genetics and cancer diagnostics. He started out and served for over 25 years in some form of church or parachurch ministry. And he's now served as an online pastor for over 10 years. He lives in Colorado and is an avid mountain biker. So thank you so much, Kevin Winder, for being on our, our podcast tonight. And so I'm going to then answer uh, or then introduce my very best friend in the whole wide world, Craig Everett, which I noticed you put some hard words in here. So you may have yeah, to help I, me a little bit. Yeah, I can dumb that down for you if you need me to. Yeah. You may next time think about that if you would. So he has more than 25 years of sales and management experience, primarily focused in cancer diagnostic lab services, covering much of the U.S. in national and regional directorship roles for specialized genetic testing laboratories. 
He has also served as Senior Vice President of a Molecular Sequency Laboratory based out of Germany that is also a leading provider in the area of software solutions and personalized medicine. Most recently, Craig supported Merrick Oncology, helping to educate the field on the ever-expanding indications in immunotherapy <laughs> and the various testing modalities yeah. required for patient qualification. Did you, I, you knocked I it out of the park. Nailed it. <laughs> okay, so personally speaking, Craig was brought up in a strong Christian home and is the son of a Baptist minister. He went on to get his business degree from Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, which is well known for being the university founded by the late Reverend Jerry Falwell. He continues to be active in his local church in Kansas City in a music capacity and likes to think of himself as a truth seeker, which we welcome all truth seekers on our podcast. So thank you both for yes. being here. Thank Yay. you for having us. Yes. Yeah. So um, I thought, Kevin, I you we kind of talked a little bit about kind of your Christian journey and mm -hmm. kind of how you got out of the box, mm -hmm. out of the maybe the some of the packaging. And so if you could talk a little bit about that. And then I was hoping John Luke could Mike. I think you two are going to really be in the same ballpark here. So, so have okay. at it. Well, um, greetings, everybody. Um, I was born at an early age. <laughs> the Very jerk, good. right? No, um, so, sorry. Um, I know you weren't you a poor a black window. child. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Remember it well. That's yeah. right. At least you got the movie reference. So, you know, um, I didn't grow up in a religious family. My dad uh, basically told me his whole life he was an atheist, uh, maybe later turned to an agnostic. My mom grew up with a Lutheran background, but by the time her children started coming, she had stopped going to church and was really not connected. But I can remember from the time I was five, six years old, this very, very strong impulse to know who God was. It's like I always actually already knew. I just needed to know more. I was very curious. And uh, a neighbor down the street had a church, and I decided I was just going to go. So I was, I think I was six years old. I went to church at like six in the morning. Of course, nobody was there. And my mom didn't know where I was, so I, she wakes up and this child is gone. Uh, that impulse never went away. Um, and then as I grew up in my family, nothing had changed religiously or spiritually, but it was just always there. And I tried again when I was about 10. I uh, went to another church and said, oh, you're young. You can, where are your parents? I said, well, they're not here. They said, well, you can go downstairs in the basement with the kids. And I was thinking, I, I don't want to go down with the basement with the kids. So I just left. Um, Later, about two years later, I, I did end up going to church, and uh, my mom accompanied me, and, and that's where I was officially acquainted with the altar call. Uh, every head bowed, every <laughs> what, eye closed, and a hand raised. Uh, that was me. Um, went forward, started going to church, kind of going on that, that line. It was, uh, it was a Pentecostal church. It was very fundamental. Uh, so you, if you know what I mean when I say fundamental, it's uh, very big on rules, 
uh, high morality code. You do not drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or date girls who do. Uh, you put on a good pretense. You do a good dance. You, you be a good boy. Uh, don't get out of line and make sure whatever you do, you don't touch yourself. So, uh, <laughs> Oops. Uh, that was pretty much, you know, yeah, I mean, that was pretty much my adolescence. So, uh, I ended up going to Bible college and, and uh, getting in through my whole story. I, I started going right out of college. I was interning in churches, pastoring, doing youth ministry, uh, started going to churches after I graduated and, um, as a, as an employee, obviously working within the church. And the first four, no, five churches that I was a part of, I got fired. Um, and it wasn't because I was some raging heretic. Uh, I was actually just trying to do what I was hired to do. They always hired saying, hey, we really want to reach youth in our community. And they'd have these pathetic little youth groups, which were just enclaves of, you know, little, you know, cultures of niceness. Uh, and I would reach out to the community and I would bring in, you know, many times uh, tenfold the number of kids in the group. But then as soon as I did that, it would change the makeup, the shape of the church. I mean, all of a sudden now you've got teenagers in the parking lot who are smoking. Oh, my gosh. They listened to secular music. Um, they did dance um, and other things. And so uh, I was always called to question as to whether or not I was actually even doing anything spiritual at all. So after being shown the left foot of fellowship a few times, I decided I'm going to go and uh, start my own nonprofit organization. And of course, that meant that I would be poor for the next 10 years. Um, so I had to learn how to make money. So I did uh, other things, um, any jobs, odd jobs to support my ministry addiction. And then uh, I ended up being bivocational, actually, through that process. Um, and that's how I ended up in the biotech industry with this small startup company that's now a big company. Uh, that's how I met Craig. He became a colleague and friend of mine. Um, and then through all this, you know, I basically had been burnt so many times at the church that I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing something per se wrong. I'm actually trying to follow that voice that called me when I was five. And I've tried to make sure that I never break faith with that part of my awakened heart. Um, and as it's allowed me to, it pulls me through and I ended up in this church in Denver as a church plant through the Acts 29 network. Um, and it was a very successful church plant. Um, we were coaching and leading and training pastors and everything else, but then it wasn't very long. And again, uh, I outgrew, I think that's how I would frame it. I outgrew the frameworks that they had. And so, uh, that's when I decided and I made a bet with the pastor and I said, I bet. I can reach more people with a podcast than you can with this machine uh, that you call a church. And I kind of acquaint it to the Dr. Seuss story of the star-bellied sneetches where McMonkey McBean brings the star on machine. And a lot of uh, the church is like, just get people through and get the star on that belly so they can be the best sneetches on the beaches. And um, so I... I, I began this quest. So how do you deconstruct 2,000 years of church history? How do you deconstruct religious frameworks and stay true to the voice, to stay true to scripture, stay true to 
to God. Um, and so that's been my endeavor. And I do so by uh, being very, very tightly uh, connected to Scripture. So uh, that, that pursue and love of the Bible uh, and other sacred texts has actually really transformed my discoveries. And so that's where I am. So I've been doing the podcast now for about since 2015. Uh, and I've been doing the blog since about 2012. Nice. All right. Hey, so, and uh, John Luke, I'm going to put you on the spot do it, do a little it. bit. <laughs> do it. I just wondered what you thought about that, because to me, that's, that is, that is, you're thinking, as I, if I have you right, it, it's all the extracurricular parts of the religion that seems to be so, oh, unnecessary or wrong-headed in the way people pursue yeah. God. Is that, is that? Are you addressing me or are right? you asking well, I was oh, asking okay. John there Luke a little bit. John Luke will give a short synopsis that what frustrates me is that the problem with Christianity is people got hold of it, and they, they added their bureaucracy to it, and everybody added a rule here and there, and before you know it, it wasn't at all what I think <clears throat> Jesus intended. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I would actually phrase it this way, that the modern evangelical church as we know it should never have existed uh, we should we should oh, never wow. have the christian re, as a christianity as a religion should never have existed and i know that that's probably extremely shocking to the ears of many people but if you look through jesus life and story uh what he came and did was basically deconstruct <clears throat> the religious frame so that he could free people back to God. And what the early church was, was not an institution. It was not a place where you go and um, pay your money and you know have paid clergy. It was a cooperative fellowship of servants who worked alongside the people and believed in something that's something more. And that, that, amount of deconstruction is not popular. And as you can imagine, um, you say things like this, you get a lot of unsubscribes. And so that's certainly true for me too. But behind it all, there is a, an army, a wave of people that I've come to discover. They are what I would call the church alumni. These are people who hunger and thirst for God, for righteousness. Um, but the framework has let them down. And I think when Jesus said in Mark 2.22, you know, if you want some of this new wine, you're going to have to get a new container. And as long as the church system, the machinery is there, it works kind of like uh, light pollution. It'd be like trying to put a telescope in the middle of Times Square. You have to get out of the machinery to actually get the true view. And I know that sounds, again, shocking, but um, I could certainly back that up. Sounds very exciting to me. It's not shocking to us. I like yeah. it. Yeah, we <clears throat> like that. Okay. <laughs> uh, my peeps. <laughs> yeah. Hey, okay, so Craig, do you do you have your 
oratory ready. Yeah, I'm just going to say everything that Kevin just said, just ditto. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Uh, well, thank okay, you for yeah. being on. Thanks, everybody. And I look forward to the next time. So, Preston, uh, you know my story as well as anybody. We literally have I known did. each other our entire lives. Uh, since I was five years old, I, uh, I have looked up to this guy, and he's been my dearest friend in the world. And then along came Kevin Winder, and, and it, my life with really <laughs> great relationships, and I'm, I'm eternally grateful for it. But in my story, much like yours, Preston, I was brought up as a Baptist minister. And, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't until after being out of the house, uh, off to college, maybe even after college that I, as I began looking back at, and not in a, in a, um, in a way that wasn't thankful and isn't, doesn't continue to be thankful for that upbringing that I had. And I'm very close with my family. I, I have deep respect for my dad who at 80, almost 82 is still preaching to this day, if you can believe it. Going to China, Going right? to China, a, a minister and, and missionary in China. And just has a huge heart for, for the Lord, for for people. Um, and yet, you know, with all, and, and my mom too, a wonderful, wonderful woman, uh, very, very close with my folks. But it was it was an upbringing of a, a very narrow framework, a very narrow path. Uh, it was bathed in all of the churchiosity that we're as you, you're you're speaking to uh, Kevin and, and the rest of you. Um, it was Sunday morning service. It was Sunday evening service. It was Tuesday visitation, right? Wednesday prayer meeting, an event on Friday or Saturday, and do the whole thing over again. And uh, all in this, don't do, don't do, right? And I was thinking about this, if I can kind of go off on a, on a rabbit trail here. Preston, you may, you may have okay. been with me. And I, I remember I, I had, a, you know, I came to Christ at an early age when I was six years old. And I remember it very well. I remember saying the sinner's prayer. You know, I walked down the Romans road and, and all of that. Um. And I don't discount that, but again, I, I think we can all we, we can all think back and, and at least have elements of yeah, I remember doing that or having some somewhat of a similar experience. Yes, thirteen absolutely. years old, I remember there was a church function, and we were taken to see a, a movie called "The Thief in the Night." <laughs> oh yes, okay, yes, yes. Yep. and yeah, you know. I bring yep. that up because that fear, that fear and terror that was instilled at least in me i mean that movie couldn't end fast enough and the altar call couldn't be given fast enough for us all to go screaming down to the altar to yeah. make sure that we were safe so we weren't going to have our heads lobbed off someday because we had you know because we, we hadn't taken the mark of the beast and we can all kind of laugh yeah. about that and and but but there's there's still there's there are elements of even that when i was 13 of fear just being just driven into me as a kid, you know, all the, the don'ts. And if you do, boy, you, you may not really be safe. And um, I'll just say, I'm so thankful to continue to be unhitching. If I, if I can use that word to be unhitching from that in, in yeah. moving more into this place of freedom to be able to ask questions that, 
would be maybe considered unconventional in, in the Christian in the yeah. Christian realm, and maybe even heretical in right. in, uh, yeah. in in others. So, um, yeah, I I I continue to have those questions, uh, but but I I don't feel bad and ashamed any longer for having those questions. They may not be the same questions that you do, and I'm glad I'm, maybe we'll push into right. those. But all that to say. Um, um, my, my journey has been an, an interesting one, and uh, I can still attend church and feel very fulfilled uh, when, when I am in church and however I'm uh, connecting. But I'm, I, I also have another journey that I, I think I'll always be on that is right. equally, if not more, fulfilling. And, and I, I think that's, I just think that's such a great place to be because i i do think of okay so one thing craig i think you and i share that john luke and kevin may not share is that i i was a hundred percent in i was like i went through a period of my time where man i'm i'm a hundred percent bring it on build the framework i'm in the framework i feel comfortable in the framework and i feel <clears throat> good that I've been chosen. Um, but then, but then I think about how I was during that time to me, during that time, all of truth was found in my backyard. I mean, it was this one little, this is where all of truth. And if you're outside you're of wrong. that in a different, I you're know. wrong and God bless you. And, and, and I'm going to pray for you, but you know, you're just, you're just, you're just wrong. And so I think, I think God is, is more, uh, he's, he respects, I think people who say, well, no, wait, hang on, you know, is like, I want to get out of this and kind of branch out and, and ask some questions. I just think it's much more feeling, uh, uh, fulfilling spiritual experience for me, but I even think God would, would, someone who who has thought this through and has some questions and kind of came up with their own faith i just think he's going to have more respect for that person than he is well, for someone who says tell me what to believe and i'll believe what yeah. you tell me I, if, if i could i'd love to jump in on this yeah um, so one of the things that i've discovered in my study and probably three thousand hours of online coaching counseling people who like you me who have these kinds of questions is um is the way that they understand truth it's not so much what they believe even though what a person believes seems to be the subject of everybody's arguments and then we have to go back and come up with really smart ways to overcome those arguments with our smarter thing the problem so isn't so much what it's how and when I say that about truth, I, I say that knowing fully well that Scripture says God is truth, right? Some sense of perfect truth. And when we look at truth as a binary, like a light switch, um, that's how we get into these cul-de-sacs and basically have a million different denominations, different religions, different political parties, different ways of hanging drywall and making pancakes and everything else is that um, I have the truth and you do not. 
so this binary framework is not at all biblical, but yet the most religious mind adopts it. So let me give you an example that might help explain it, uh, make it more vivid for any listener. Imagine that a person is standing in the middle of the day and he's saying it is sun, it, the sun is out and it is daytime. And at the same time, a person on the opposite side of the world is saying, no, it's, it's nighttime. And the person in the day says, no, all, all the facts line up with me. The science is there. The sun is out. I feel the heat. It's, it's definitely daytime. I'm 100% right. You are absolutely wrong. And of course, the night person says, well, no, the sun is not out and it's very cold. So the, all the facts line up with me. Now, this is right. obvious here, but because we already know something about science. But the point here is that you have to yeah. pull back to a transcendent perspective where both truth claims resolve themselves into a wider truth claim. This is known as what's called ternary or three, a system of three. So this is what we would call trinitary, trinitarian thinking. This is what we would call, you know, uh, the third uh, eye or the third way in some traditions. But that how you know the truth is vital. So since nobody here, no human being has all the truth, that makes every single person a partial believer on their best day. And so what that means is that the discovery of God and the journey towards God is always this new way of, of learning. It may not be something new in terms of what you know, although that comes. It really, the big discovery is to relearn what you already know in a new way through this thing. This is what Paul calls, you know, um, putting on the mind of Christ, right? This is the transformation, the metamorpheo uh, by the renewing of your mind. That's that's the pursuit in following the truth. I would I would just like to say that you're wrong. Yes, please do. <laughs> yes, you would be uh, in good company. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I was going to give you, you since I haven't met you two. I was going to give you a quick rundown on how I came to be where I am. Yes, I grew I up in a, I grew up in a church, and when I got to be in about high school, I started thinking. And the more science I studied and the more people I talked to that weren't in church, the more I started thinking, you know, this doesn't all make sense. And I got to college, med school. I didn't go to church at all. And I was just fine. And then I messed around and married this Baptist girl. And so <laughs> since then, I mean, she's awesome. But uh, she's dragged me to she a Southern is, Baptist church for 30-something years now. And I, <clears throat> I love my Sunday school class because they're good people. But... And the music's okay in church, but then the preacher gets up and preaches, and he says stuff that he doesn't know any more about than I do, but he insists it's exactly right, just like what you were talking about, Kevin. And uh, I've been miserable for all that time, for an hour and a half every week in that church. Uh, I've gone along with it. We raised our our girls there, and it's important to my wife, so I do it. But I'm, I'm there. It's just like, Somebody shoving bamboo under my fingernails, and so is your um, John Luca is is your pastor? Is he a subscriber to your podcast? I just want to make make sure that you get that out. No, he okay. <laughs> he's got a doctorate, but he doesn't know how to use I and me. You know, he's one of those people that forever says it came out for I and me, or or, or for you and I, and instead of. Uh, instead of for you and me. Anyway, it drives me nuts. 
He's he's a nice he's actually a nice guy, and I'm sure he's delivering a message that's useful for some people, but not not for so, me. You know what you're hitting on there is a really it's a really important thing because it'd be really easy for some audience members probably to quickly just dismiss this as a bunch of rejects or disgruntleds or angries or whatever. Uh, but in, in reality, what's happening is that it's like when you go to the Home Depot and you buy those little tiny potted plants and all the roots are completely pressed up against that little plastic container. It's called being root bound. Um, then when you move it, then the, the plant can thrive. If you keep it in that tiny little container, it's going to die. It can't thrive. And so what's actually happening when you have questions is you're, you're actually expanding. So what's happening is this internal spiritual uh, process is widening you. It's growing you and you break out of your containers. Um, and this is exactly the design through all the meta narrative of scripture. It's in every book of the Bible. And it's part of what the gospel actually is, is this power to pull us out, wake us up, and take us to this new place uh, where we're repotted, so to speak. Well, you know, John Luke told me something uh, that I thought, two things he told me I thought were super encouraging and really interesting. And one is, uh, he told me, he said, man, I've really been thinking a lot mm. about this. <laughs> And, and, he's, and he's sending me stuff by email, you know, that, that he's put a lot of thought into. And, and that's just kind of gets me excited. And then the other thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, John Luke, but you said something. It's, it's a lot easier to witness when you're talking about this in a way that you drop the constraints. It, it's not in the, the narrow mindset of, hey, you have to do it this way. Now, did I did I did I uh, quote you correctly on your on your thinking? Uh, you on two that? are wrong. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, no, 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 that's okay. not wrong. Yeah. No, uh, I've so what what we're basically coming up with is pretty close to Unitarianism. What uh, Press mm. and I are coming up with, but so I would have no problem running into one of my buddies and say, "Hey, what do you think about this? Would you like to come to our online church or listen to our?" podcast whereas if before as a baptist you're supposed to go on visitation and sit down and tell people that you believe that uh jesus christ was born of a virgin and he was crucified dead and buried came here to relieve you know forgive us give us forgiveness for our sins and and take us to heaven with him and he he, he was raised on the third day and went to heaven to sit at the right hand of god well, I think a lot of that stuff something somebody made up. So I can't, I can't tell people that. I never could tell people that. I've never told anyone that, even though I was supposed to. And that was the duty. You know, you get the big guilt trip if you don't do that. Just like the tithing 10%. Well, why would you tithe 10%? Well, because that's how you pay the pastor. That's why you would tithe 10%. It, there's, nobody said it had to be 10%. Anyway. I just, uh, yeah, you know, okay. what you just said actually is, it's really interesting. Um, and I don't mean to jump in here if no, I'm no, go ahead. Turn, so, um, but like in my journey, you know, as I kind of pulled out from the church framework, um, there's this nebulous free floating experience and that can be, that can be a challenge for a lot of folks. It was for me disconcerting yep, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Cause most people want a thing. Um, and, but in that time, I, 
I started exploring other sacred texts, other religions, other frameworks to see what they're getting at. And, and I can say that, you know, I, I thought I was going down a Unitarian road, but now I, I know that I'm not. Um, and my conclusion is that I'm actually, every, every single religion has to adopt some form of Christology, and they actually do. It may not be the exact same Christology or belief in Christ that the modern evangelical machinery believes in, meaning that Christ is Jesus' last name. Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about this idea that there's this other figure, this power, this force, this, this being that's personified in Jesus, absolutely, I believe, uh, but that is also present throughout all of human history. And even scripture testifies to this. Um, the, the Jews had the experience in the wilderness where out of the rock that Moses smacked with a stick comes this water. And Paul informs us in 1 Corinthians, he says that water was Christ. When you go through and you look at um, the stories of Elijah, you look at the stories of Moses, you look at all these times where they hide in this rock, this cleft, and then ironically, these are the same mountain, by the way, many years apart. Then Jesus goes up the same mountain and talks to who? Elijah and Moses. And you have these amazing mm. interactions where you're literally spanning thousands of years, and it's a Christology. So if, if Christ can reign and be present in another religion other than modern Christianity, such as ancient Judaism, then it, it just tells us that the Christology transcends the religious framework. And so as I started to explore that question, what does that look like? Does this Christ figure appear in other systems of faith? Um, and while I wouldn't say in an absolute definitive way that yes, it shows up as Jesus, because I know that in modern Christianity, that's the only possible ex experience. Uh, you could say since you didn't show up as Jesus when it was in Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, but it was this, you know, other kind of persona that is actually present everywhere. And so Christ then is, and Christ following is actually a bigger framework to consider. It takes us beyond every religion, which is absolutely way too small. So when some people say, do you think all roads lead to God? I'm, I'm very clear saying, no, absolutely not. Um, in fact, no roads lead to God. Um, Christ does. And this is what it actually means. It's not that only Christians go to heaven when Jesus said, you know, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. It, he's saying that if anyone, anywhere in, in all of human history, including Moses and, you know, the wilderness and countless other people in our, in our history, which, you know, Hebrews 11 talks about the heroes of the faith and None of them are Christians, by the way. Um, so, like, if that's possible, that means that if anywhere, anywhere, anybody at any time has an experience with God, it was because this force, this persona, this Christ made that possible. That's way easier to believe, which means it's invitational to all comers. And that, cha that changes so, everything to me. So let me ask you a question, sure. Kevin. Uh, so let's say... 
someone, okay, I'm just going to use myself as an example and say, okay, I want to kind of tune into this a little bit. And I think we all agree that the, the packaging, all the rules and stuff create these weights and these, as you mentioned, like being in New York, trying to see the stars, it, it, it's, it's confusing, it's, it's blocking the way, which is, is, is I, if I think about this th through, then what, what I need to do is try to drop those, mm -hmm. that framework, it leaves me in that scary split space, right? That, that you kind of talked about a little bit before. So now I'm kind of without my framework, I mean, it, 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 it would you would you recommend if you were counseling someone would you recommend okay here's what I want you to do I want you to just say God I'm just I need you to guide me here and show me some truth or is or because you don't want to because I do think there's probably a, a a place of going okay I found this crystal and I'm opening myself up to just staring into this crystal i mean you know without the framework right you get you you how do you get off the path a little bit i mean where do you where do you say okay we want to drop all the rules we and the packaging we want to just go is it is it scripture is that is it it would or or do you say god sh reveal yourself to me uh, show me something show me Help me see what I, what I'm, what I need Apostle to see. Apostle Duke, what the hell are you saying? I <laughs> know <laughs> what you're saying, President. If, if it can't be the Bible, if it can't be God's word solely, is it this nebulous prayer, right? God, oh, you know, I, yeah, you know, like, meditation. Like, is it through meditation? Then what is the medium then that is that is going to reveal this to us? I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. It's a great question. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I guess the way I'd answer that is that the default mode of our mind is already going back into even at the very thought of unhinging or separating from is is um, how then do I get to God? And, and yeah, that, that's the question and the discovery that trains transforms our life because religion is a transaction. Uh, connecting to God is a transformation. And that discovery is that, oh, he's not up there. He's not out there. He's not over there. He's not in there. He's here now. He's only in the present moment. It's all that ever exists. God cannot be anywhere but in the present. And so if we're here with God, then the discovery is not how do I get to God, but how do I actually realize that God is literally pressing me into my chair? that the air that I'm taking in is the love of God, mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. Like he's so close to me that I can't even perceive him. And so a person who sets out on a journey to find God betrays his endeavor with his very first step. And, and so now let me ask, uh, to, to interject, what about a non-Christian? I mean, as a, as, as a Christian, you have God right are you saying a non-Christian would also have that experience of of God is right here? Yes, I've never met I've never okay. met a single person who um, hasn't. Now, what they call uh, you know life 
experiencing? I mean, why do they go to the beach on vacation? Why does the sunset matter? Why do they hold their kids close at holidays? Why do certain things in certain points of life be more punctuated with joy and, than any other time, right? They are, they are calling that life's experience. They don't see that as the love of God coming into their life as God. And so the, the, there's, to me, there's really no atheism. Um, I've yet to see anybody who can actually intelligently uh, hold on to an atheistic perspective in a rational way. It's, it's actually impossible. And so what you have is this quasi-belief because I think church and religion, by and large, has obscured this revelation. And so I am fundamentally, deep to my core, passionate about, well, if, if I know this God exists because he's been calling me and awakening me my whole life, then what, what has he or she said? You know, I, I adopt the feminine percept side as well. I mean, what is more feminine than creative? So... When I think of God, the biblical God, it's like I want to know what, what God has said. So if if the Bible claims to be the word of God, then I need to kind of understand it. I need to know what it actually says. And I need to stop taking uh, my pastor's word for it because yeah. chances are, as I came to discover in my own studies, uh, they actually didn't really understand it. They were just rehearsing and rolling tape of what, you know, 20 years. And so they would never say anything that they weren't taught because they wouldn't want to be labeled something and they don't want to upset the apple cart and they just live in fear and they just want to stay employed and and those are their motivations none of these motivations are actually driving a person to actually know what god has said and how what it means and and as you go on that pers that pursuit what i've discovered people who are non-christians different systems of faith i can they're always very open to talking about God and reading the scripture and learning what it says. They just don't want to do that with church people. Okay. So I, I always Thanks. point people back to the word of God. And if that's too hard, the first step is always creation. The created world is the revelation of God. So it is literally, as Richard Ward would say, the first Bible. So um, very I, nice. had, I had right. a question of the day that we usually do a question okay. of the day mike yeah. i did i usually uh, you guys should need to have a little jingle question of the day uh, you know angels voices or something <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh okay. oh we all know what that means the question of the day is <laughs> what if you are a, a christian like uh at Those least three of us grew up being in church what is the goal the end point, the end game of being a Christian. I want to start with Craig, and then tell me what your end game or goal is in your current state. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So my, my end goal, I mean, you, you can go right to the end. It's to get to heaven, right? Just make sure that I get in, right? Which is why, you know, we go back to the Romans Road, which, which really, honestly is what kind of drove this, the, the, the beginning of these questions. You know, as long as you say the sinner's prayer and you ask God into your heart, no matter how you've lived throughout your life, no matter what's in you, where you're at in life, whether it's your deathbed or whatever, get them to say that prayer, right? Romans 10, let's take in Romans 10, chapter 19, walk, you know, through 23, walk them through that. And that just never has made sense to me. 
any more than any more than um, those of the Baptist faith saying, "Oh, those Catholics, they got it so wrong." Right, Preston? They've got it so wrong. Yeah. So hey. So is it the incantation? Is that kind of your thinking? Like, just say these words. Well, that's what I thought, is that your right? That that is what I was taught. Right. And though I think that right. there's that that should be unpacked further. I'm not I'm not suggesting that there's not uh, the depth in that, and that we shouldn't think about that. But to think of that in this very narrow way, this very myopic way, in, in that that is it. You know, for forget about all the other parts of scripture in teaching as long as we get that part right then we're good we we've got our fire insurance and, and we're good i've made it to heaven right right that right. incantation as, as you say um i just cannot wrap my my mind around that i don't as a young kid i i was yeah that's why i would go down to the altar call that's why i got saved you know every, every other month just to make sure i had said it right Make sure I had yeah. really yep. believed. <laughs> I went through all that. With a rededication, yep. you know. Um, yep. So that's why I, I, I say, of course I want to be in heaven. And all the, but maybe this is heaven. That, but why isn't this heaven right here? And we've always been taught the rapture and all. We're going to send ah, the, the angels and we're going to be in heaven someday. But as we, I think as we begin to unpack that, heaven is here, right? It is. It may not feel like heaven. But it is here. And so when, when I said I'm a truth seeker, I really mean that. You know, I, I, I'm not looking to just debunk the Bible for the sake of of being argumentative or or just clever in in, in that way. I really want to I want to know. I mean, you, you, you talked, John Luke, about the virgin birth of Christ and, and all those things, the, the biggies. Right. And we can debate those until until we're blue in the yeah. face so right. i'm trying to get to a, a a point of all all the little side you know stories we, we can debate those things maybe we have different feelings or or opinions of those maybe we believe them maybe we don't believe them but i think we have to have a reason if we don't believe it th then why and if we do believe it then why i don't think it's enough for us just to say i don't believe that that's crap there's not really a hell. Come on. Yeah. That, that was just put in there just to scare us. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is just was just meant to, to scare us. Or maybe we've got the wrong framework because we've been we've been given this picture of Dante's Inferno since we were kids. Or maybe it's because right. par partly I'm sorry, I'm being long winded here, but maybe it's because the, yeah. the, the leadership and the teachers of the day. They. They've not been properly taught. They haven't spent hours, years unpacking, really, really digging in to truth. I'm, I'm going to share. Can, can I? I want to share something here. OK. Sure. You, you all have heard of George Barna or maybe not. Yeah, of course. I don't know. So George Barna, um, I'm just going to just give you a, a, a few little bits. Um, he's the founder of called the it's called the Barna Group. And this firm specializes in the, in the studying of religious beliefs and behavior of Americans in the intersection of faith and culture. So he's, he's huge into research and giving all these statistics in whatever area, uh, narrow areas that you're looking for. I dug this out, though. I, I'm going to read these off because I think this is even more telling and maybe 
maybe pushes in deeper of why there's this confusion, maybe even anger at times, uh, the way that we've been taught in, in, in some of these um, frameworks that we've been brought in week after week that we're just pulling our hair out saying, really, is this right. what it is? Yeah. I mean, it, it can't be. So, I'm going to read this off. 1,500 ministers. And again, this is coming from Barna. 1,500 ministers leave their ministries each month due to burnout, yeah. conflict, or moral failure. 94% of ministers feel under pressure to have a perfect family. 80% of ministers believe that pastoral ministry affects their families negatively. 75% of ministers wow. report severe stress, causing anguish, worry, bewilderment, anger, depression, fear, alienation. This is my pastor, right? 70% of ministers yeah. don't have any close friends. 56% wow. of pastors' spouses say that they have no friends at all. The list goes on. And I think if we wow. begin pushing and thinking of, about our modern day, these are people that are teaching us. Yeah, right. I mean, where, where That's we, 100% it. Where do we expect to be? Well, I mean, we should be confused. We well, should be angry. We should be pointing our fingers back at the church saying, you guys, you're no better than me. You, you're just as screwed up as I am. And probably what you're teaching me on Sunday morning, you, you gave all of 15 minutes to that study. But it's truth now because you said it from the pulpit. Right. Yeah. But so but you ask what I'm trying to get John Luke in a, in a very broad sense. I know we're not going to answer all the, I'm trying to get the truth. The truth. Okay. Well, that's your goal is the truth. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, my ultimate goal, do I yeah. want to be in heaven? Do I want to spend eternity with, with my creator and, and all the things? And sure. Of course I want that the way I've been. Yeah. But I do want to get to truth. I do. And I'm willing to, Preston, you and I have had some great, I mean, some wild discussions through the years. Kevin, you and I, hours too. And hours, I mean, hours yeah. and, and hours. And we don't always agree. And I'll just say, I can't get there. You know, I, or, yeah. Hey, I'm going to interject one just thought here. And then, John Luke, I'm going to let you. But you were talking, you know, one thing that John Luke talked about was his pastor. And his pastor is my pastor, pretty much. But the guy is... He's convinced he's sure. right. He's con and and he, and he and and in all honesty, he's genuine. Yeah. He genuinely thinks that probably half his congregation is going to hell, and and that he's he's speaking. And that that's one of the conundrums. Is like, you know, like these pastors that you talked about, Craig. I mean, they they think they're, they're right. Just and that's that's sort of the peculiar part of me that I find so interesting is how can all these super smart people be so convinced that their religion is the right religion, just like the Islams believe they're right and stuff. But but yeah, you're you're right, Craig. I, I that that those are shocking mm. um, statistics. And uh, and but but then the thing I is I think that I wonder about is but, but these pastors they're they're con so many of them are convinced that I'm on the right path, you know? And so, mm. I don't know. Okay, John Luke, I'm sorry. I I hopped in there. And uh, drop and give me question. I hope I answered it to, to what you were looking for, John Luke. <laughs> you did. I was going to have... <laughs> I was going to have uh, 
Apostle Duke drop and give me 20 for that, but I, I won't do that right now. Um, Kevin, the, I'll ask you the question of the day too, though. What is the goal for a Christian? I mean, the end goal of, of a Christian life versus what is your goal now as you, as you live your life now? Yeah, it is a great question. Um, and I would say that by and large, most people's goal as a Christian is to go to heaven, as Craig very eloquently described. In fact, I'm convinced they will want to go to heaven whether or not Jesus is there. It's really that important. Uh, and that's only because the hell sales guy has been just killing it lately. Like he's, uh, they're out there creating hellfire and brimstone and Dante's Inferno and every other thing from, you know, left behind in Hollywood uh, to get into your head. And it's like, if it's going to be that bad, then you definitely need a savior. Now, I don't deny that reality for the need of a savior, but the way that it's been construction is misleading. And so I don't believe that the end goal is to go to heaven one day when you die. Uh, or it's an evacuation strategy to get off this godforsaken filth, uh, filth heap of a world, right? Um, in fact, I can prove biblically that all of those pre-mill, pre-perspectives <laughs> are horribly uh, flawed. But my end game for me, like, like Craig, uh, recognizing there's no possible way for me to know all the truth. Uh, it, it, I can never, it won't happen. But to have this experience with the truth that transforms my life incrementally, day by day, so that in the end, my love for my maker is bigger and stronger and deeper. And out of that love for God, my love for my fellow man remains and, and gets stronger. And I wish that I could be better at that, but you know, that's, that's my reality. The end game is to love God and love humanity. I like that. That's good. John Luke, uh, can, can, can we flip that, Jack? Yeah. Can we flip that back on you? I, I'm genuinely curious as I'm learning more about what you guys do. And I'd love to hear kind of your response to your own question. Well, for a Christian, addressing what you were saying earlier, it may be to not go to hell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rather than to go to heaven, it's to not go to hell because hell's a lot scarier, you know, than, than, <laughs> exactly. than heaven is wonderful. Because you think about heaven, think about what could heaven be? They try to say streets of gold. I don't give a crap about streets of gold. I mean, that, that doesn't help me any. That's hard on your feet, you know. I, I, I've never seen or heard a description of heaven that really makes me think that it's all that wonderful necessarily. I mean, I don't think if it does exist, there's probably not a good way to put it into real human words. But but since I don't necessarily believe that it exists or hell exists, I my goal is to. I really love the teachings of Jesus, and I want to live like he did, you know, treating people the way he did. And I want to uh, I want to leave this earth better than I found it and leave a legacy 
of good, and that legacy will be my everlasting life. Yeah, good. And you know, I'm going to ask you the same, uh, Duke, Apostle Duke. Oh, okay. So here's, you're going to think I'm being flippant, but I'm, I'm really not. And one is, I'm kind of with John Luke. I became a Christian 90% not to go to hell, 10% to go to heaven. And then I wanted the, you know, in my first experience, I wanted the, you know, all the big, you know, going to services and feeling that spirit and all. I'd like that part. Why am I... Why do I, why would I see Christ now? And this is where maybe it may sound a little flippant, but I guess if I just boil it all down, I want to have a good life. I want to, I want my life to mean something. I want to feel good about what I'm doing. Like I'm part of something important. Like my life is going to be better because I connected to this power or spirit or something i guess maybe 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 my answer is i'm not maybe i don't know a hundred percent why now i want to do it i want to do it but i think it's just the the positive aspects of it all that i think i find so attractive it's just that god i'm doing like like i think about kevin doing his podcast and john luke who has started this podcast? He is he is a senior pastor, by the way. <laughs> but but the, you know this is kind of something kind of cool, you know. Like maybe we could help somebody. Maybe we could like tune into something kind of neat. I, what so what you and I have found is some some camaraderie, basically, and and some freedom. Like what Craig mentioned earlier, it's freedom from not having to pretend to believe a bunch of stuff I don't. That, that that's been really nice and. So in our go ahead in our Sunday school class, when 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 Robin and I talk, after we get done talking, the Sunday school teacher usually goes, "Okay, now let's get back on topic here." <laughs> that's a slippery you know. slope. <laughs> yeah, that's a slippery slope you guys <laughs> are getting on. And so we wanted to create this space where we can just the Sunday like, school talk teacher. About this when stuff. he sees your things. hand up, he goes, "Okay, Preston." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does. That's exactly what he does. Okay, and I feel kind of bad, but sometimes it's like, man, I just want to ask this question, and it's super fun, yeah. man. But they kind of shut us down, and so we we came here. Yeah, I don't I don't say that much in Sunday school. Preston does all the talking. I I mainly am there for comic relief, as you can <laughs> tell. I have a little bit of a talent for that, and and that's uh, that's <laughs> we, you know. Did, have you guys ever filled out the uh, uh, spiritual gifts list in Sunday school. You're supposed to check the boxes next to your spiritual gifts. Yeah, I don't have any. Have you? Well, <laughs> I had to write mine in, and it was comic <laughs> relief. <laughs> so uh, I have a quick story about that. I, I'm an anesthesiologist, and I was working in this case, and there was this, these two surgeons that had never worked together before. They were both women, and uh, this one gal who I'd worked with quite a bit kept saying, "Oh, oh, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Oh, oh." I'll be careful there. And she just kept doing that. And I knew that the surgeon that she was cautioning was a better surgeon than the one who was doing all the talking. And uh, I won't use her name, but at, at one point I stopped and said, hey, Cindy, have you ever filled out 
in your Sunday school class, those uh, the thing about the spiritual gift list, you know, check the boxes next to the spiritual gifts. And the other surgeon said, yeah, I've, I've done that. And Cindy goes, well, no, we haven't done that. I go, okay, well, if you do, when you get down to the box that says encouragement, she goes, yeah. I said, don't check it. <laughs> Not your gift, right? <laughs> don't check it. That's good. Well, we are at an hour, so that's usually when we kind of cut it off. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed this. We we might ought to do this again. You guys are yeah. you guys add a lot to the. I loved it. I loved it, and I know you guys are kind of out of your element because I know you're traveling and stuff. But this is this is way fun. And Kevin, I could totally pick your brain for way longer. <laughs> right. And 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 Craig, I know we are here again. We talked yes. for hours and hours and long rides about. In fact, as soon as we hook up, we start talking about it. Typically, you know so, what we haven't done? We haven't is, had, we haven't let Kevin what? plug his podcast. Oh yeah, yes, we need yes. to do that. Well, I think I probably chased off anybody who might even <laughs> be considering uh, it by no, no, now. No, no, no. I disagree. Uh, well, um, yeah, it's it. The name of the podcast is called Beyond Everything Radio. You can find it on um, iTunes, and so it's on iTunes podcast. It's also on uh, Pandora as well, and then you can also uh, direct link it um, through my website, kevinwinder.com, K-E-V-E-N. Um, spelled like seven, kevinwinder.com. So yeah, it's there. You can access my blog, which is called Thrive in Exile, which based on our conversation probably makes some sense, right? Um, but thank you for letting me share that. That's that's great. And I'd be happy to entertain any conversation. If you have questions, I would love, love, love for you to just keep this dog. You guys are so fun to talk there to. You You're are. very, very real. I, I celebrate Yay. what you're going through. I love the journey you're on. And, um, you know, I, I think you will do exactly what you want, which is help people. Yeah. So well, thank, you. Well, thank we, you. We are seriously talking about doing a, an online church to have an, having a service every, every week. Uh, either of you have any thoughts on that? Let me pull up my statistics again here. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, he would be yeah, Kevin would be the one. Let's have let's take that offline, and I'll be happy to. <laughs> chat with you guys about that. Okay, well, I'll stop recording here in a little bit, and we can get your opinions yeah. on it. Um, it. In my my church, I always thought, I've thought about having a church for a long time. Usually, in the hour when I'm sitting up there listening to the preacher on Sunday, I think about if I have my own church. The the uh, I decided that the minister would be called the pastor. Pastor, <laughs> the pastor, with a D at the end of it. Yes, <laughs> I'm not sure why, but I just I like it. I thought it was funny. Okay, well I think <laughs> we can sign off now. I'm going to sign off and stop recording, and then we can visit a little bit about your ideas.